This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, October 25th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. Treating guns like cars would have significant implications for Cato Research Fellow Trevor Burris. How we think about the costs and benefits of cars should inform how we talk and think about guns. And getting to a productive conversation about the appropriate regulation of firearms and the people who own them is more important than ever. Give me the best case, as far as you can see it, for treating guns like cars, because we hear that that argument that this we should be treating guns in the same way that we treat cars, which are consumer products that can be very dangerous. Well, I think that you have broad access to cars if you pass a basic test. I mean, it's not even not basic, but most people can pass the test. And if you're 16, 17, or 18, depending on the state that you're licensed in, you can go get a car. You can drive that car on public streets with a license. If you're on private land, you can even drive that car without a license. The license is actually a, a permission to drive on, on public roads. There's nothing about buying a car. We don't run background checks on buying cars if you're mentally ill or, or you know, the prohibited people, people who are prohibited federally from buying guns include, for example, illegal aliens and illicit illegal drug users, which is a huge problem in Colorado. If you just smoke legal marijuana in Colorado, you technically can't buy a gun or you have to lie and buy a gun. We let marijuana users buy car buy uh, cars we let alcoholics buy cars although they may not be able to get a license um, and shoot it in certain ways so we have these sensible regulations it's all 50 states if you're licensed to buy a car and drive a car in all 50 states and many other countries you can do it there too it's, it goes between states so it generally yeah if we treated guns like cars, it wouldn't be the worst thing ever. We also have, for something that the gun control crowd is for, we do have a car registry. Uh, you, The government is aware of who owns the cars and you pass pink slips between and say that you transferred this car, which is something, of course, the NRA doesn't like. Uh, if we know how many cars are in America. We don't know how many guns really are in America. Uh, so there would be drawbacks and there would be benefits to regulating guns like cars, but it, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But that's – then I guess the natural response to that is that's not what they really mean when people make that argument that we should treat guns like cars. Uh, it's hard to say what they mean by that. I think it's interesting that cars kill about as many people as guns per year. It's about thirty to 40,000 and we, we don't freak out about that. We try to – regulate it and make cars safer, make roads safer. We try to make drivers safer possibly, but we don't we don't say that you know not one more death by car is acceptable or you know we're gonna have to get rid of these in some way. And that of course people don't treat cars they don't think about cars and guns in the same way. Within within the, the realm of cars, lots of peop most people have them, mm -hmm. uh, adults, and we're comfortable with the idea of optimality with respect to deaths from automobiles in a way that, that people are less comfortable with an optimal number of gun deaths, even though we, we need to admit to ourselves that zero for either is just simply not an option. It's, it's not an option. I think another really important analogy is that we understand that cars' lethality, what makes them dangerous is also what makes them useful. And so car, good cars are reliable, they're controllable, they go fast and they get you where you need to go. And a good gun is reliable and controllable and, and, and it does what it needs to do. Now that in both, in both instances, a good gun 
is good for self-defense. It's good for hunting. That also means it's good for killing people in the exact for the exact same reasons. And a good car is also lethal if you can do 120 miles per hour. You can get somewhere faster, and you can also do a lot of damage. We understand that inevitable trade-off, but we don't when we talk about guns. We we have this issue where you know people are always saying these uniquely dangerous guns or these guns that are only designed for killing, such as quote unquote assault weapons. And what gun rights people know is that a gun, an assault weapon, is just a normal gun. There's nothing special about it that makes it more lethal. It's the it's it, the use of the person using it in a lethal way that makes it lethal. But there's no gun gun that is only good for killing, and there's no car only good for killing for the same reason. So we understand that trade off when it comes to cars, but we we do a bad job when it comes to guns. So the difference seems to be though that uh, because so many fewer Americans own guns, that the the sort of repugnance about guns, it's easier to say, this this won't affect me, so it's fine if we regulate that thing that is limited to this group of people that I just don't understand. As long as you're focused, I think that's very important. If we if we had only half of the car country owning cars, and the other half did not own cars and did not like cars or understand how cars work, you might see similar debates on Facebook after a big car accident where it said, why, why do we allow this many deaths from cars a year? And people didn't understand cars would say, why do we allow people to own Jeeps? Those are just military style vehicles. And the car owners would be like, no, a Jeep is just a normal car. It just looks like a military style vehicle. You can imagine all these kind of debates. But we do have a broad cultural agreement about cars. We, we like them. We understand the value of them, we do not have a broad cultural agreement about guns, and that is becoming increasingly schismatic. Actually, it was reported in the New York Times, I think, last week that uh, the gun is maybe the most politically schismatic question. If you own a gun, uh, you're much more likely to be a Republican. And so we have this problem, and that's why the conversation is really hard to have, where you just they, they don't understand how guns work, gun controllers. They don't understand the value of guns. They think that if you would want to have one for security, uh, that's a useless value. They don't really believe a lot of times that people use guns to protect themselves. If you enjoy shooting, you might as well enjoy dog fighting or bear baiting. It's something you shouldn't enjoy. So there's no p positive side to owning guns. There's only negative side. And that's the really big difference there. So positive side to cars, negative side to cars, we understand this trade-off. Positive side to guns, some people get it, some people don't. Some people only see the negative. They say one gun death isn't even worth it. Well, of course, if you thought there was no positive side to guns, it is one gun death is not worth it because there's no other side balancing it out. So uh, you mentioned that people like to shoot guns, um, be it on a range or in their back 40 or something like that. Um, Jacob Sellum made this argument in relation to drugs years ago is that at some point, libertarians are going to have to stop defending drug use on the basis that it doesn't harm you. Uh, the the third party costs the the cost of the drug war are far higher than the cost of having drugs be legal and at some point libertarians are going to have to come to grips with and defend drug use on the basis that people like to do it yes I, I think that that's a great analogy to guns and and I do drug war policy too and I see a lot of similarities there. Uh, I see uh, basically I see when people are trying to regulate drugs they say these are the drugs we like. 
alcohol, nicotine, uh, coffee, things like that. And good people don't use exactly. marijuana, yeah. to quote the Attorney General of the United States. So, and good people don't have an assault weapon. Have the, the last Attorney General could have said that. And they're really just wars on lifestyles. Uh, most people, most guns don't kill anyone. Um, at all, actually, there's some papers that show that the average gun is less lethal than the average car. Uh, if you can sort of figure out how many gun deaths and gun deaths are going down, uh, we nevertheless keep having this focus on guns, which I think is really counterproductive. And I and the reason I wrote this piece and want to have this conversation about guns and cars is I, I I'm always pushing for a productive conversation with people who are just focused on cars on guns. So I say, look, it, we didn't we had a drunk driving problem. And when we had drunk drivers, we didn't ban the cars that drunk drivers use because everyone knew that would be dumb. Drunk drivers are going to go get another car. So we had broad interventions. We focused beyond cars. We had broad interventions, informational campaigns, mothers against drunk driving. Uh, we lowered the limit, all these things. We took licenses away. But we didn't just say, well, the problem is the cars. And we need to have a conversation like that with guns. We need to be like, we have shooters. We have gun violence. Of course, the mass shooters are really hard to dissuade. Most of the violence is coming in inner cities. So why do people misuse guns? And what is causing them to do crime? Is it drug war is one thing that I'm always saying. We need to look at, look at the situations that create crime, not the fact that someone happens to have a gun. So I think if we make that analogy, we say, think about the broader debate we have with cars. Can we possibly have that with guns? We could get somewhere. Trevor Burris is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 